Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Business Handmade Podcast. Is this really episode 20? Episode 20 already. Wow, and it's a special episode because we are doing a fireside chat. Um, We are literally outside at our fire pit with the fire going. So you'll hear cars passing through. You'll hear snapping of bugs and fire. (laughs) You will probably hear our dog barking at squirrels. (laughs) But um, we're outside because it's our friend and fellow business owner, Ryan Ozolins of the Good Donut Shop's birthday, and since he was unable to have any sort of celebration with friends, he asked that we all um, listen to his favorite artist on Spotify, um, who released a new album, It's Rue Pains, and we all set out with a drink of choice at our respective fires um, and pretended we were with Ryan celebrating, so... We did a virtual celebration for him. So it was we nice. figured the fire's going. It's a perfect night for it. We didn't want to go in and waste it. We didn't want to waste it. And because we are just kind of having a very real chat for episode 20, we figured we would just be our real selves mm-hmm. really outside. We're always our real selves. We are, but we're, we set up. We like have a whole thing. We have a process of getting ready for our podcast. Yes, and putting my phone on top of a candle. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting on the couch. It's a very real process. So, the, well, we are the most real version of ourselves right now because we are outside under string lights in our backyard around a fire pit, and that's one of our favorite things to do. So, here we are, super duper unplugged. Oh, it's like Market Space Unplugged. We are the acoustic version of the podcast <laughs> this is right the now. Acoustic business handmade. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing something a little bit different um, for episode 20. No guest, just us again. For a very thrilling topic. So if you don't like us, you can stop listening now. <laughs> so we were thinking, you know, we we're going back and forth. What should we talk about? And with coronavirus and things having to be kind of changed on the fly, you know, Kim looked at me and she said, let's talk about dealing with disappointment. Um, you know, working towards something and then having to pivot, right? And having to be innovative and having to um, just have to deal with the real world consequences and and make something for yourself so that's kind of what we're talking about and it spans a lot of different um topics in itself but i think it's very real right now but i think from disappointment comes change and comes um the chance to i mean well not even necessarily the chance you're almost forced to think of of ways to do something differently um especially when it comes to owning your business and if something's not going according to plan you can either kind of like gracefully land into this new innovation that you're going to do for your business or you're kind of flung at it and I think that's what coronavirus has done for a lot of us where we're trying things we've never tried before we're still unsure of what's going to happen and for a lot of us we've kind of or at least for us like we felt like we were kind of coasting through all of this but as we're getting closer and closer to summer and now canceling some of the summer events, it's kind of like that screeching halt, like really pumping the brakes. And and we're just so fortunate that we have so many wonderful connections mm-hmm. in the maker community. Again, we've referenced Sam Matthews so many times, but it was through her encouragement that we ended up um, forming shopourmakers.com. Um, the maker directory and you know not that that's like a huge money yielding money generating thing for us but it's something it's something that's helping us maintain our presence and look at why does it sound like someone is having like the um that thing the alert that they test on the tv yeah of (laughs) course as soon as we start recording there's uh crazy robotic 
sirens like, rant, going off. Sound. Um, but what so, I was going to well, say is even even without coronavirus, right, every week you're kind of pushed outside of your comfort zone when you're owning a business because yeah. there's things that pop up that you never expected or new avenues that you could or could not explore. Um, this is just really, like Kim said, forcing you to do something different yeah. than you were already doing and think about new ways to deal with these uh, challenges. Right. And like, let's face it, there's only so much you can control, right? Right. With owning a business. So for example, in theory, you would assume if you're this maker going to any kind of in-person market that the person running the market did some due diligence and, and kind of figured out what the demographic is like, what products sell well, and kind of made sure that you weren't one of two or three people selling the same thing. Well, that's what, but that's beyond your control, right? Like you're, so you're signing up for the first time. But you're going in with expectations that somebody has done something. Someone's done that. But if they haven't, now you're faced with crap, I'm here. I spent the money to be here. What do I do? Is there anything I can do? There's disappointment. So I think, you know, if, if that was you in that situation, Kevin, if you were like a woodcarver and I mean, it'd be even worse if they set you next to the other two woodcarvers mm-hmm. there. But if you were a woodcarver going into a market and you found out that you weren't the only one, how would you handle that situation? I mean, I've seen firsthand how some makers deal with that situation and more than um, more often than not, they are connecting with those other people and, you know, forming a relationship and a collaborative um collaborative conversation with them during Mm -hmm. that time you know i've seen you know i don't want to name names but exactly word good carvers kind of working off of each other and seeing what they have that maybe is a little bit different or maybe their style is a little bit different and then playing that up in the moment so if you're interestingly had wood carvers who said we both want to do this show together right can we sit together so i think that's a whole other element of of like what if everyone thought saw a challenge as this opportunity it it is an opportunity it is a way to um kind of better yourself by understanding what other people are doing and what you do really well and um connecting on on that craft you know if somebody does the exact same thing as you they're not doing it the exact same way they don't have the exact same experience right and i think you're selling yourself short if you think that someone does something the exact same way there's as you. always something to learn there um you know that's not to say that there is still that disappointment the first time but like how can you take that and and turn it into something positive or like a, a something to make you really stand out and i just think if there was a, ever a time that you were faced with that situation and you and the other person mm-hmm. are looking at each other like what just happened here here we are maybe next to each other maybe not going forward or maybe even if you mm-hmm. can think on the fly to combine your booth spaces make it more of an interactive display make it something where you're like integrating your your individual like stands or whatever or like i've seen two um two pottery makers that do kind of different things refer the other one across the hall to be like oh you're looking for this specific thing i know she does that or i know he does you know this uh differently and that might be more your style yeah so they refer each other too right that makes you a pretty stand-up business owner if you can say like hey, what you're asking for is really cool. And unfortunately, I don't make that, but that person over there does. Exactly. It just shows that you're educated about the the many facets of the craft. And you can you can speak to it in more of an art term instead of like, well, we both make this. And you're confident enough in what you're doing yeah. and your business yeah. to say that person's on an equal playing field yeah. as me. And, you know, we're both kind of referring each other. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, here's my question to you. Okay. Um, let's say you are um, a maker and you do you know a moderate amount of in-person events and you do a moderate amount of online sales. Now that you can't do events, what are you going to do to make your online presence a little bit better or um, kind of up your traffic a little bit more? So what's interesting is when we had our Etsy shop. So, okay, first of all, we didn't review any of these questions beforehand. So I have no idea what he's asking me and he has no idea what I'm asking him. I didn't even know we were going to be asking questions to <laughs> but each here other. here we are. Um, and it, I, I feel like that's kind of the cool part about working with my spouse is that like there's so much we know about each other, but there's so much we don't know too. So back when we had our Etsy shop, I think like with whatever one is going through right now with COVID, I look back to when we had our Etsy shop and for us, it was just kind of like a side hobby that generated some revenue and it was never something that was meant to be like this huge, um, you know, business model. We were serious about it, but wasn't like, it wasn't so serious to us, right? I mean, we thought it was just like really cool that it was successful. And within, what was it like our first year or two doing it, when we started getting into like multiple thousands of dollars in revenue, we were like, okay, this is actually like a big deal. Um, And I think that if we were going through that right now, um, if it, it would depend, like, first of all, would we still have our jobs that we were commuting to right. the city for, yeah, or in this, a lot case, of in this case, if we were all stuck home for COVID, we'd be working from home, um, and schooling the kids from home. And mm-hmm. I think the Etsy shop would probably kind of take the back burner, but, but if, we'd also have more time because we're not commuting right. to but, be focusing on it too. But we'd still be making it. And I think we'd yeah. still, we'd kind of coast on mm-hmm. the online presence right. as it is. But who knows? But that was like how many years ago at this it's point. It's different, yeah. And if I knew then what I know now, I may have been more proactive about getting out there on other platforms. If not, I probably would have coasted. But if the Etsy shop was our livelihood for me, or, you know, probably wouldn't have survived both of us on it, but just like, you know, if it was my income... I probably would have like looked into how a lot of Facebook groups in towns are doing the like shop the downtown mm-hmm. yep. um, stores and like how do you get some sort of chain going within your town of like featuring like businesses or you know farmers markets are still something that's happening how would you be able to somehow talk to the coordinator I think that was a flying squirrel or something that just <laughs> flew above us um, how would you talk to the coordinator of the farmers market to say you know, I'm not selling like produce, but I'm selling something that is similar in, in kind. And, um, how can I get a space? Um, but you'd have to take that with the grain of salt that people are not coming out in droves for a farmer's market. Now they're coming out because that's where they're going to get their produce. Well, they're pre-ordering and then picking yeah, up and, picking, and then it's they're like trickling in. Yeah. So it's, people it's are, way different. Are probably just coming to pick up and you'd have to think like, okay, well, I'm going to need to be positioned in such a way that when they first arrive to pick up their, mm-hmm. their order, where can I, where can I be positioned? So that was something I was thinking about. So another question that I have for you. Well, wait, I want to okay. say like when we had our Etsy shop, you know, we weren't doing all the things that we know now mm-hmm. since we're doing this, you know, a handmade markets business that we should be doing, right? We weren't advertising. We weren't doing digital ads. Um, we had our social media channels and we were posting pretty regularly, but we weren't among our friends and it would, yeah, we weren't really advertising to to specific groups. We weren't targeting Facebook groups. We weren't going on, um, different websites. We weren't, um, really tapping that network that Mm. we were making by accident, right? There was a lot of people across country buying from us, but we weren't really 
we didn't know any targeting anything there. Right. We should have. We been. didn't. We didn't know anything about like Google Analytics or or anything. We ran no ads. We, no Facebook we understood ads. Yeah. Nothing about the traffic and i mean or even collaborating with other makers no, i shouldn't say that we didn't understand it because i had definitely worked for a startup that utilized google analytics and it was something that i had learned at the time mm-hmm. but it was not something like it didn't make the connection in my brain that that was something that we could do for our etsy shop right. or something you know something that we could be following and we didn't even have um a website we just had our etsy shop so it just didn't in my mind occur that i Maybe should we were be looking into like data like that and it really is it's important to know you know not just what someone else is doing for you but what you're doing for yourself um and if there's something you should be doing differently i think it it's there's definitely room to reevaluate here and there throughout the the process that's definitely Um, something that we've learned along the way is to collect that data and use that data to our advantage so i was gonna ask you a question about um like the disappointment of lost revenue yeah during all of this, but maybe that's a better question for you to ask me because I've done the um, the applications for like small business and stuff. But my question you should to definitely you, talk about that. I will, but first I'll ask you. See, we can't even do a natural segue. We're just like talking about it out loud. Um, I think that I'd like to ask you, what if you showed up to a show with high expectations or a high table fee mm-hmm. and didn't make that back? How do you deal with that disappointment? I mean, it is disappointing, right? Especially if you have expectations. Um, from either other people saying it was great last year or um, you know the promoters or you know the group of people that are going and they always do well or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You might have high expectations going in. Um, but I take every opportunity as a learning opportunity. So if it's great revenue-wise or if it's not, you should be walking away with something, right? You, you should have learned something. Do you think that perspective is different for someone who does this as their hobby and looks at it as like, yeah, but I still have my day job and this was cool no matter what. I still made friends versus someone who's like, no, I mean, I didn't even buy enough to like, I mean, I didn't even make enough to like buy dinner. Like this is my, this is my livelihood. livelihood. So do you think that that's a different perspective? I think the perspective is the same, um, but obviously to a different degree, right? If it's your hobby, you still want to walk away learning something because you're passionate about what you're doing. You wouldn't be doing it just to do it. Um, if it's your livelihood, yeah, it's going to sting if you're out a little bit of money, but then, you know, for next time, a few things to look out for. Maybe there's a couple of red flags that you learned. Maybe you made a connection that could then lead you to something Mm -hmm. else that will be more revenue, um, generating, you know, there's gotta be something you have to look for that silver lining while you're in the, the moment. Um, so that you're not walking away completely empty handed Mm -hmm. because you need to take that risk, right? You can't. Um, avoid every show that you think will be bad because then you'll lose out on all the opportunities that it might be good. Right. And there's no 100% guarantee that this one show on this particular day every single year will be good. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. So you're limiting yourself. I think that people, sometimes people wait for like year three through five to get to a point where they've seen the show happen. They've seen it in action. They have, um, you know, stories from multiple other vendor friends who have been there and have had success before they decide to to do that show um so sometimes it's a matter of just like waiting and and being safe but there are others who um you know they they go they test it out and maybe they take away something like you know okay i don't want to be next to this person at that show next year because their product was very different from what i make but maybe 
had like a different vibe or like I, I think that I think that certain groupings of vendors can really set a vibe too and um or just like even people's behavior you know not to like bash anybody but like you know that when you're in the business of working with people not everyone has the same personality style not everyone has the same work style and if you were next to someone that maybe you felt was bringing you down in some way maybe your learning experience is that you don't want to be near that person and it could still be that maybe that show isn't the show for you maybe maybe it's an inventory thing maybe it's that you know the show was not as well attended or some crazy catastrophic thing like COVID-19 happened and it used to be well attended and it wasn't this year but I think it could the one also thing, just be the one thing one-off. you can control is quality of the show, right? Mm-hmm. If you are looking into a show... Do you mean us from the promoter side? Or no, do you mean- from the maker side too. I mean, you're signing up for specific shows. So the one thing you can do is do research mm-hmm. on the shows and the promoters and, and ask around just to see about the quality of the production, about the advertising. You know, there are some black and white things that you can ask that mm-hmm. you'll get real information and data from and you absolutely should be asking questions i think asking questions you shouldn't walk into a show and be blindsided about like oh wow this isn't set up the way that i anticipated it to be set up yeah or there's nobody here asking me um or or telling me like what to do and how to do things you know there should be somebody on site to help me like if somebody's not there that should be a red flag to be like oh wow maybe i should have known this already yeah but i mean so there's there think of it from like the promoter standpoint too that there is so much they can control so yes ask the questions but there's also things like i'm thinking specifically about um when we work at winter village at the red mill Mm -hmm. um yes there's a lot that we do control over that obviously it's our show but there's a lot that we don't because we are contracting an outside vendor to build the facility for us. So we do our best. We are yeah. using the same company again this year. Um, but, you know, there are things that happen and sometimes people have to think on the fly. So you have to also kind of take a step back and look at it as like, OK, um, you know, maybe this is happening different from last year because they didn't have a choice. You know, I mean, we did it in 2018 and 2019, mm-hmm. 2019 the week that our tents were being erected, there was a pile of gravel where our tent was supposed to be erected. So then the whole event shifted and then we were out some floor space. And like, these are things that, you know, even though we were in direct communication with the tent company the week of, they don't necessarily know it was our first time using that particular company. We'd used a different company the year before and we were trying something new. And, um, you know, you just don't know. But now that you, we have that under our belt, and we're going to use that same company again. They know and we know that one week direct communication is literally one week of me essentially living out <laughs> in Clinton so we can make sure to check that everything. everything's set up right. So the one thing we can control in that situation, right, is the communication to the makers that are coming to that event. So we were very transparent about what was going on, how we were rectifying any problems. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never a time where we were silent about what was going on because if there was something to be fixed or done or some expectation that wasn't met, mm-hmm. we were going to say something about it so that people knew. So that's a difference between, you know, quality, I think, and when you're walking into something and nobody's really telling you anything. Right. And I think you just need to manage expectations too, that, you know, we're all human. We're all people. We don't always know um, what's going to happen when, and especially with crazy things like COVID-19, there is uncertainty. So it's fine to be transparent and just say like, I don't know, I'm going to keep you posted on that. Or, you know, we're handling that and just stay tuned. We're going to get that to you as soon as possible. But from the maker side, I think it's okay to ask questions and just, you know, 
I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask and, and try to figure out a way that we can all kind of work through it because we are also a small business. Like the promoters that run these shows are, most of them are, mm-hmm. all of them are small yeah, businesses. Yeah. Even the huge shows, they're technically small businesses. So, um, yeah, it's just a matter of like trying to navigate that. But do you want to ask me the question now? As soon as I remember it, I ran to go get firewood and now the fire is blazing. So hopefully you can hear some nice crackling. um, So it was the question about like lost revenue. Lost revenue, right. So can you tell us what you would do in a situation (laughs) where where you've lost lost revenue? revenue? Um, Okay, so this is a big one. And I think that this is important for all of our makers to know that, you know, we're all small businesses and whether you have employees or not, or you're on payroll or not. Or are an LLC or not. Or an LLC or not, you can, or a sole proprietor, you can, um, you can apply for the paycheck protection that um, is being offered for COVID-19. So I think initially when they set out these rules for people, um, it was, it was that you could apply for the small business grants Mm -hmm. and they would give you up to 10,000. And it would be forgiven. They've since apparently changed that. So they're only giving $1,000 per employee. um, And that's pretty much it. If you go the paycheck protection route, you just are, you're essentially proving lost revenue. And you can, um, you can give them a 1040 with a schedule C Mm -hmm. to show what your revenue was um, for 2019. And as long as you're able to show like what you regularly pay yourself out of the business, then you can still apply for paycheck protection. And is that the one you recommend for somebody that's like a one person operation? I'm not at all an accountant. This is not like legal business advice. This is just experiential business advice that might be something you might want to look into. Mm -hmm. Again, not legal business advice, just something you might want to do a quick Google search on and see if you qualify for it. But, um, but you're talking you, about your own experience. Uh, my own experience mm-hmm. was that um, because of the situation we're in, you know, like we are obviously losing more than a thousand dollars in this whole time. So I was able to show that I um, was losing more than a thousand dollars. I don't know how else to explain that. I mean, it's really um, because some events that were already scheduled had to be canceled and we're not in the business or position to just take people's money. So, but it, it needs to be used for payroll, utilities, rent, or mortgage. Right. So it's not to be used to refund people. We need to use However, our money to do that first. Yes, we're using our bank account balance to do that. However, mm-hmm. because I am not able to, you know, like enrollment essentially yeah. in our events is suffering because of this, because of the uncertainty. So I am not making what I would normally make. Exactly. And not like I make a ton of money doing this. Um, it's kind of the nice to have, but it's it's still lost revenue. Mm-hmm. It is something that the business is is losing. And, you know, no one wants to say that as a small business that what they've worked so hard to build over the last, what, four years, almost four years yep. is suffering. But this well, is something be beyond our control. Is, so, is my point, right? You'd be out from both aspects. Right, right. Refunds so I can't, and pay. I can't. I have to like swallow my pride and not look at it as a personal failure because it's not. It's something that's going on in the world. Globally, everyone is suffering from this. And how are you dealing with that disappointment? 
Um, not well. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I, I am disappointed. I'm very disappointed. It's very because disappointing, yeah. I, we love it's to be... It's out of our control. We love to be in person with all of our makers that we love and miss so much. And there's just like this camaraderie. It's like super cool to hang out with you guys. And so when we're not with you, it's it's a bummer. But the way that we handled that was just kind of listening to what the concern was among the maker community, what the need was. I mean, we, you and I are both pretty good at problem solving, mm-hmm. or at least you're really good at problem solving. I'm really good at freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we just got real, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's the truth. That sounds accurate. Um, I get anxious about this stuff, but we generally can... We, we don't look at something as like the end. Like even I always if look a over to you and I say, we will figure it out because we always figure right. out whatever it is. So you're like the voice of reason. I or have just a, the breath to be like, yeah. be patient. Right. We I will need figure to pause. It out. Absolutely. Yeah. I need to, I need to just like pause and take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I both have a brain to be able to overcome some of this stuff. And we never look at it at a, at a challenge as like, okay, we're going to shutter up the place and close <laughs> the doors. Hunker it's always down. just like, okay, how do we get to the next thing? How do we move on to the next step? And so mm-hmm. it's usually um, Kevin telling me, we're going to get through this, and we do. We just have to look for resources. And And I think the most important thing to do right now is to lean on others because there are other people with experiences. My experience with this, with the um, paycheck protection loan wasn't that I stumbled upon it. It was that other business owners I know talked to me about it Mentioned and said, well, what it. are yep. you doing? And I said, nothing, because... I didn't think I'd qualify for it. Well, that's what this really is. If you're listening to the podcast and you have a business and you're wondering what to do, it's just a way to think about, hey, I should be doing something. Let me look into it. You could. You could be doing something. I think each state has an allotment of money as well for like women-owned, minority-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses. If you're not already um, any of the certifications through the Small Business um, Administration, through SBA, look into it because they have opportunities for veteran-owned businesses. They have opportunities for women-owned businesses and uh, minority-owned businesses. So I think that even if you're not going to qualify for the paycheck protection, I think there's a way to look into the resources Mm -hmm. that are available on a state level. And if nothing else, going forward, get yourself certified, especially because they're doing away with the self-certification for the woman-owned small business with the SBA, um, get yourself certified because it'll open you up to like government grants and government contracts. So I think these are things that are, you know, yes, it's a pain to, to do the paperwork. All of it's a pain. Yeah. And it's it's confusing and and it's numbers and it's confusing and, and all of that. But I think once you do it, now you're, you're able to be an advocate for other small businesses and you'll, you'll get through it. You'll get through it. And if you have questions, you can rely on another small business person um, to help you through it. Or, I mean, hey, we did the application. So, I mean, not that I'm a business advisor um, with, like, sound legal advice, but I can offer you experiential advice and and hopefully help you navigate through that. Both woman, um, WSOB, woman-owned small business, and if you wanted to apply for, like, the paycheck protection. And it is... Um, alone with a 1% repayment and it's in deferment for six months from the time it's awarded where you'd have to, is there a raccoon or something? There's probably like something that's going to eat no, us. No, he's a just wolf. being very needy know. right now. Um, so there is this definitely dog. that, that repayment that you have to think about, but it, it can be forgiven if you apply for loan forgiveness. So again, another application you'll have to fill out. There's Cooper shaking. 
um, another application you'll have to fill out, but it's, it's something, it's, there. it's something, yeah. or if you're cool with paying the 1%, then you don't have to, you know, you have to repay the loan, the 1% interest with 1% interest, but it's one less application, I guess, that you'd have to fill out. It's just something to like tide you over until we're back to full operation. What do you need? What? <laughs> Dog break. <laughs> so do you want to talk about the new, um, not a certification. What did you just get accepted to? Oh yeah. So it reminded I me when you were talking about women stumbled upon, I mean, a bunch of other people probably already know about this, but I did not know about it. And I was just on Instagram the other day and stumbled upon, um, Rebecca Minkoff's foundation. Um, the woman found the female founders collective. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And I, and so I applied for it and was accepted to it. And it's basically just networking. It, um, it opens you up to different types of funding, like angel investors. And it's not, that's not the sole purpose. It's meant to be like, they do, um, chats like coffee chats and like, um, zoom sessions on valuable tips for small business. So I think that's all important. What, what do you need? So there's definitely things that you'll get from the Female Founders Collective, but also, you know, if they have a time when they're like, hey, we have some angel investors that are interested in X, Y, and Z topic, um, you know, maybe you'll get some funding. But the cool thing I thought was, I think they have like over 79,000 followers on Instagram and they ask for your headshot and kind of a quote about your business. So they will be featuring... Hey, what in the world is over there? It's just his tail. Is it? Yes. I'm not so sure about his that. His tail is hitting leaves. Oh, okay. Um, so they'll be featuring market space, basically. They'll be featuring our business, or me, yeah. as the owner of the business. Um, and that goes out to their social media channels. I think they have over 1,000 followers on Facebook, but they have like 79,000 right. on Instagram. So, so that's exciting. Yeah. Or maybe it's like they have the group on Facebook. I don't know. I'm kind of obviously new to it, but... I just thought it was kind of cool. It's always helpful to have networking and, and, you know, people that are also in business that have started it from the ground up, regardless of what they do, um, to be the sounding board. Yeah, no, it's super exciting. And I'm glad that we have resources available like that. Yeah. And I hope that this podcast and our Facebook group and just our channels in general are a resource for mm -hmm. makers as well. I have some more questions for you. So Lay it on let's me. not end this yet. I'm not what ready to end. do you do in the instance of disappointment when the the event space is beyond our control Ooh. and you had communication with the people <laughs> that certain things would have been done for that day and it's literally beyond your control like there's yeah. nothing you could have done but now you are in charge of hundreds of people yeah, yeah. that are looking to you that's a hard one. I mean, and it's not going according to plan. We've run to Home Depot before. We've <laughs> yeah. um, tapped into electricity boxes at uh, places that we've rented to fix things and put music on. And there's just so many things that we've gone. Street closures. Yeah, closed streets ourselves <laughs> when the police were late. Like there's so many things that we had to do. We just had to jump in and figure out. But if it's completely, utterly out of our control and there is nothing that we can do. Um, we would just communicate it and be honest and transparent with everybody. Um, there's not much that 
we would get out of being silent. I mean, it kind of goes along with my other answer, but just communicating to people, either we're working on something or something was promised, but we can't deliver it. And there's maybe uh, something else that we can do in its place. You know, there's always a way to talk about it because people are pretty understanding. So you know, what do you think being like positively vocal through all of this oh, is, yeah. like, is like the common thread among Absolutely. all the things that we've been talking about? Just talking about it, just talk. And, and kind of believe that there's going to be a positive outcome one way or another, whether it's like, yeah, I mean, things will probably get really dark for a little while. You know, you might have to deal with some stuff, but there could be a really great outcome beyond that. So maybe it's just a matter of like talking through what you're going through. You never know who's listening. You never know who may have had a similar experience yeah. or has a resource for you. And it's and just a matter of networking. People have been working with us for a number of years now and come to know that we'll do everything in our control to to fix things that either are wrong or could be done better so those people know that but I would hate to leave an event where somebody that's worked with us for the first time has had a poor experience from something that we could have controlled and we didn't say anything we didn't speak up and say right. this is not how we normally do things or we're working on something to be fixed or whatever it is I would hate for them to walk away and say like wow they didn't it didn't meet my expectations and they didn't care. You know, that would kill me. You know, I was just thinking when you said when someone would be doing an event of ours for the first time and they don't know us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens, right? That's challenging. It it absolutely (laughs) happens. One of the things that I think is most challenging for us that we need to take as our, our lesson is that when someone is new and we don't know them well, we almost like unintentionally, it's not like favoritism, but obviously we've grown to be comfortable with people that have been working with us since day one. And then if a newbie shows up, yes, I know. I said newbie. If a newbie shows up, um, we're so excited to meet them. And chances are we've been like reviewing their Instagram Mm -hmm. and their Facebook before and just like really cool stuff, you know, like excited about it. And then we get there and, you know, you're in the day of chaos. Like all of us have been there. If you go to in-person markets Mm -hmm. or or any kind of like big event where you're dealing with like the quote unquote stress of a busy day. And um, we like forget, not forget to say hi. We say hi, but maybe we're not like as chatty with that person. And I think that's something that we need to look at. Sometimes we get a little busy. You know, like imagine their disappointment. Mm -hmm. That maybe, oh, the promoter of this is, like, talking to everybody but me. What did I do wrong? Why, Cooper? What do you want? Come on. Let's go. Yeah, but the thing that I think of, and we kind of do this on purpose, is if there are, you know, half of the event are people that have worked with us in the past and half are people that haven't worked with us before, we will space people accordingly so that there's somebody next to everybody else just so that they have you know a sounding board or somebody to talk to um, that can obviously tell them about us or flag us down if they need us Um, we would hate to have somebody think that they were being uh, ignored you know it would be it would be by accident if that was the case but you know I wonder if there's like a way that we could um, have almost like a buddy system or something where we like pair people up based on experience levels or like something that they could contribute to one another I think um, you know some people are more like seasoned veterans of craft shows and maybe they have a lot of information and resources that maybe the newer person doesn't have so we want to set them up to be as successful as possible so that's what it is yeah but I was saying like maybe if we 
for me, I mean, this is like a whole new level of like how we place people when we do a layout, but if we did like a buddy system where it was like, you know, somebody that um, could benefit from someone else and you never know, maybe the new person has information that the veteran could use, you know? So there's a um, lot that goes into That's another way to kind of, kind of deal with like avoiding disappointment maybe, or like just making the best experience of something. What other things do you think come up from the, if we were putting ourselves back in the maker shoes, what are some of the disappointments we've dealt with as makers? I don't know. I think we hit the big ones that I would think of, you know, revenue and oh, loss like, of events. Uh, and... Like shipping costs and dealing with shipping. I remember when we like yeah. calculated. I mean, shipping <laughs> is tough now too because of everything that's going on. There's people are shipping so much more that, um, things are taking a little bit longer and prices are increased a little bit yeah so are you losing money out of shipping are things getting lost and you have to resend a product that's disappointing it is that's that's your inventory or people um, just aren't comfortable ordering online during this maybe they're shying away i think i think people are anxious to support small business i have to disagree with you on that and i think a lot of people are comfortable with doing curbside pickup or doing online ordering you know which is why we turn to an online platform and we see that a lot of small businesses in our town are successful because people that want to support those small businesses are still ordering. And there are groups um, on Facebook. This is like the power of social media and just networking. Mm-hmm. Which and, and it can be networking in any sense, whether it's like your local mom group or it's like the fellow business owners that you know. but um, And virtual has always been there. Yeah. We're just rely on, relying on it right. more but and now, in different ways so now. So now they're like rallying. People are rallying to support certain businesses where they're saying like, hey guys, this business does this, that, and the other for charity. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this is a business that I have gotten this from or, or whatever it is that they love so much. They're able to rally for that business and get people behind them so that they can... Um, encourage people to support them and we've seen that with like local restaurants and stores in our town during all of this where they've sold out they've sold out of their food and a lot of people that we've been talking to to get them on our directory um, they've been saying I'd love to do it but I'm tapped for resources Mm -hmm. right now they're not getting so here's another disappointment they're placing orders for their supplies and they're not getting them Um, And so they are sort of limited by the inventory that they do have. And that's already limited because maybe they weren't thinking this was going to be a thing. And they didn't, you know, they didn't know what to order or what to plan for. And honestly, I've heard from a couple of makers that their full-time job has basically doubled their hours and they're working so much more yeah, it depends on that yeah, they can't the focus is. on their their craft project anymore mm-hmm. you know that the hours that they put into their maker uh hat is is dwindling just because they're so needed at their main job right now i have another question for you that yeah. just popped into mind what do you do with the disappointment of competition like not in the sense of showing up to the same show but what if you had this idea and you'd been sitting on it and then you came to find that someone else has your name or someone else has this product that you in your mind thought was unique. We hear all the time. And and again, going back to like every maker has a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. So even if to the lay person, it may look similar, there are different artistic styles. Right. So there are never any two things that are exact. But what if you were in the in the mindset that like your product was the only one like that or your name that you so 
creatively came up with. You you formulated all of this. You, sub, you, you submitted the paperwork to get it trademarked or to start your LLC or whatever. And then you found out that someone else has it. How do you deal with that disappointment? I mean, it's not really a disappointment if somebody is taking your name. You know, if you have a trademark on it... I mean, if you that were trying to trademark sense. it, like if you're in this, oh, if you were in this, trying to, yeah, if you were in the space of like, hey, I thought of this really cool maker name, the domain was taken. I mean, that happened for us with Shopper Makers. I was looking through all these domains and I wanted it to be something that was like, it, it kind of like rolled with what we do and, and went, you know, it, it was a good fit. But also I think there were other names that matched that that, that i liked. wanted to mm-hmm. but they were taken so i couldn't use those i couldn't well, i couldn't get the domain that's so your like, answer right there you pivoted yeah you were you, you were upset for else. for a little while and you pivoted and I'm made still it a work. little bummed about it but you chapter can, makers you can absolutely is still cool. be bummed and it works you know because the whole idea is like we're shopping each respective town's makers yeah makers we keep, in a we keep mentioning it but we don't actually say what it is because i think on the last couple of podcasts we've explained it but we should probably say Oh yeah, Shop so. Our Makers is our new. <laughs> instead of sound, we're going to sound like an ad, ad again. here. Yeah, so shoparmakers.com <laughs> is our new online makers directory where customers can go on and search by product type, by zip, zip code, code um, if it's and a sustainable business or yeah, a woman like a owned cause, business. A cause that you're passionate about. If, if you only want to shop gift veteran cards owned businesses. or free shipping, you know, it's kind of nice to just click on one button to see all the places that do mm-hmm. gift boxes. You yep. know, you want to send a gift. And and you want it to be packaged nice. Yeah, and you can search on a national level, or you can search by by state. You can search by town. You can well, search by in, within fifty miles of your town or five miles. We're in six your states town. now. Vermont just signed up today, nice. so that's, that's so very exciting. exciting. Um, we've been reaching out to makers that are outside of our area um, because we really want to expand this as much as we can. So it's very exciting. And the whole premise of this is that you're very 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 low monthly fee like literally less than your monthly coffees uh yeah. now, now i sound like i'm like feeding the children like for just 10 cents a day no it's 15 or 20 dollars a month um you buy into this subscription and it's billed on a monthly basis but you can cancel at any time um literally sign up one day and then the next day you can cancel if you want to we hope you won't but if you do that that's your prerogative um but the money that you are putting out for the subscription goes into digital ads so we have facebook and instagram of course but also um ads on google let us help you advertise yeah so basically it's a combined maker marketing budget where if you had twenty dollars yourself to spend per month on ads you may or may not get a lot of hits. It really depends on where you're located. If you were like in Jersey City, New Jersey, they're more expensive. Hoboken is pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. If you're down in like, you know, the sticks of New Jersey, then maybe maybe you'd get a lot of hits for that. But maybe you feel like you've oversaturated that market. So it gives you an opportunity to um, have Bring a combined, combined budget. And we target the individual states that we have makers in so it's not like you're sharing your ad budget with like ohio and vermont they have their own ad budget um and we are because you can shop obviously online you can shop nationwide you can buy from anyone um they're all kind of benefiting from each other we've had people in ohio reach out to us and say that's great that you're going to target ohio but i'm actually interested in the other states you're targeting because i've oversaturated the market here and i'm interested in branching out so it's like it's just makers helping each other 
with brand awareness and getting out there and finding that new demographic. So anyway, that is our short ad about shoppermakers.com. And I'm very excited because the person that signed up from Illinois actually learned about Shop Our Makers from the podcast. So if you are listening, was thank it Illinois? you very much. I thought it was Ohio. No, no, I don't think it was Ohio. It was Illinois. Okay, well, thank you, and we hope you're listening. Yes, that was very exciting for us. <laughs> People actually listen to this thing. <laughs> well, Kim has been on my case to monetize this podcast, and she said, we're not doing this anymore. No, I'm just joking. But at least I can say I got one sale from the podcast. I roughed him up a little. Yeah. No, it's it's really just a matter of we are a small business. There are only two of us that can get anything done for the business. We don't have employees. We have contractors that yep. help us on day of stuff, but no one that helps us otherwise. And so as much as I love and enjoy the podcast and spending the time with you to do something other than stress about kids well it's or nicer house. by the fire right it is nicer by the fire <laughs> no i mean i love it even when we're in our den or you know the office it doesn't matter where we are i do like the podcast Ooh, talk about your office i will in a sec but so i do love the podcast but when you're a small business like every second counts yeah. and if we could be spending that time to do something to help recover some of the lost revenue from this year um and just kind of troubleshoot you know manage expectations of the makers that are depending on us for their their regular income it's hard for me to wrap my usually problem solving brain around you know a podcast that doesn't that doesn't to me in my mind directly directly, generate money even though we provide you know business experience chats and we interview makers it's all cool it just I don't know, maybe because there aren't people calling in saying like, this is amazing. I mean, there are, there are people that say they love it. If you're listening to this, email us and say, this is amazing. So that Kim knows that it's amazing. No, I don't know how to explain it. No, I know what you mean. It's not like an A and B, like you're not seeing the direct result from it. What? It's not A and B, you're seeing. (laughs) You're ridiculous. Did you not just do that on purpose? I did not do that on purpose. (laughs) <laughs> my brain doesn't think like your stuff. Okay, then. <laughs> Anywho, so we finished oh our office, God. our little closet of an office. We did built-in bookcases and painted it, and it's yes. kind of fancy now. So now we're opening the Office Builders Etsy shop. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not doing that at all. It was it was rough. I mean, we didn't like doing it, but we're happy it's done. I... I you did not like doing liked it. New. Some, I liked bossing you around. Yeah, when I was working, <laughs> you liked it. And when you were working, you were complaining. Well, because I'm not good at sanding. And I was like dipping my hand in wood filler. How do people apply wood filler to molding? That. No, to no, molding? Come on. I don't know how people do that. We put crown molding. It's like all ridge, like ridges. How do you fill in wood filler in ridges like that i don't know but we're gonna do an mtv crib style tour <laughs> on instagram or facebook no, maybe we heard you like bookshelves so we put bookshelves in your bookshelves <laughs> and here is where the magic happens and literally it's the same three like photos no well that's what influencers do they find their top trending photos and they'll like periodically repost those because they got good engagement yep so we need to get a really good picture of the so office there's a little you, tidbit if you, you walk away from this episode with anything it's that you should reuse content retarget and reuse <laughs> reduce reuse and recycle um yeah so our office was a labor of love it was challenging because kevin and i have never built furniture 
and well, well I build one thing you and did, then you did build I build one, one thing and then you start going crazy saying I'll build everything so once upon a time Kevin built a laundry sorter for me that now lives in our shed as the holder of things like Mexican blankets and life jackets and things it's like um it's got laundry baskets that slide in you, you guys all know what I'm talking and about slide just, out you can just google it you'll see what I'm talking about so we um, didn't use that for laundry because nine-year-olds don't care if you build them a laundry sorter. <laughs> They're still not picking their clothes off the floor. So go check out our laundry sorter, et- for sorter Etsy. <laughs> LaundrySorter.com. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so that lives in our shed. So anyway, that was his first venture in woodworking. Then when we moved to our new house, I wanted board and batten for the boys' rooms. And... Kevin looked at me like I was nuts. My father-in-law looked at me like I was nuts. But ultimately, they took it as like a, an opportunity. I don't know. An opportunity to bond and do some stuff. Work with wood. And also, in that same event, our youngest son closed the garage on my dad's very expensive saw. He was trying to help by pushing the button to close the garage door. And I don't know why the sensor didn't pick, up, pick it up, but it closed on the saw. So anyway, so that was that whole fiasco. And then from there, I'm like the Joanna Gaines of quarantine. So then I (laughs) told him that we needed bookshelves in our office and we took that opportunity. Our next project is going to be um, framed wallpaper panels. Your next project. I need your help. I've done enough projects. No, because you're excited about it too. Framed wallpaper panels in our living room because I kind of love like Dorothy Draper style wallpapers like palm trees and stuff but i feel like it's a bit much on the entire wall it's a bit much for our house and our style so just like a little bit of that um so we're gonna use i don't know what kind of molding thin molding quarter round molding something and make some panels so that's our next project so kim it's been really nice having you on the podcast can we tell (laughs) can you tell us where we've heard you before uh, you can find me every Friday here on the Business Handmade Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Marketspace Vendor Events. And Facebook at Marketspace Vendor Events. And on our new website, shopourmakers.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye!